Ladies, puberty, PMT, pregnancy, the menopause. Yes, your hormones have been taking you for a ride for years. Hot flushes on the bus, menopausal meltdowns in the office, whatever those hormones have made you do, Jenny Smith and Kate Bouse are here to lend a sympathetic ear. Why not write in and share your hormonal hell with the girls? Don't worry, they've heard it all before. It's time to put those hormones in the firing line. This is Dear Hormones. Welcome to your safe space, ladies. Coming up on today's show, desperate measures on an aeroplane, frustration over a broken jacuzzi, and Kate's menopause watch steps up a gear. Hello and welcome to Dear Hormones. Hi, Kate. Hello, Jenny. We were just having a little laugh because uh, we never really know how to start these podcasts. We often have to do them about five times. Don't we? And I think it may also be helped by the fact that it's an evening podcast this evening, which we've never had before, have we? And um, no. we both have a little glass of something in our hands. Um, yeah. Jenny, what are you drinking this evening? I have got a lovely cold glass of cider. Yum. <gasps> well, that mm. wouldn't be my chosen tipple. Um, but, uh, well, you, why don't you tell people what I'm you're like drinking? An, I'm like an old lady. I'm <laughs> drinking a glass of port. <laughs> I think I'll drink some of our personalities. I'm cheap and uh, <laughs> I'm just refined. One of the things I used to drink when I was at university, you know, when I was poor and, and you're on the port. Refined but <laughs> aged. <laughs> We've had some lovely letters in again this week, Kate. So I think I'll just uh, crack on with the first letter, which is called Cashmere Calamity. And this is from Carol in Croydon. Like Can I it. say that's a lot of alliteration there? Cashmere Calamity, Carolyn Croydon. I know, fantastic. Yes, well done. I, maybe she's made that name up now, I'm beginning to think. <laughs> when you read the letter, when you hear it, you'll probably think that she probably has actually given oh. herself a fake, a fake name. <laughs> Here we go. Um, dear Jenny and Kate, in my 20s, I used to be able to party all night, down several bottles of God knows what, and maybe visit the loo a couple of times at most. Since I hit my 40s and the perimenopause, that's all changed. And now I find myself popping to the loo on what seems like a minute by minute basis. All very well when you're working from home. Not so good when you're in a jam-packed aeroplane, which I discovered a few years ago. Here we go. My husband and I were returning from a lovely summer holiday with our two young children, and I'd settled into the four-hour flight quite nicely. I'd already been to the loo shortly after takeoff and had decided to kick back with a glossy magazine and a nice glass of wine. Or port, in my case. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) only the very best for you, Kate. Um, The kids were playing on their iPads and the flight was running smoothly. About two hours in, and I needed to go to the loo again. But just as I went to stand up, the seatbelt signs flashed on. Typical, I thought, but not to worry. I can hold it for a few minutes. But a few minutes turned into what felt like an eternity. And every second that went by, my bladder was becoming more and more impatient. Uh Uh-oh. I desperately tried to distract myself 
But no matter what I did, the desperate and urgent need to go for a wee was growing stronger by the second. My husband could see the desperate situation I was in. And so despite the terrible turbulence we were experiencing, told me to get up and go to the loo regardless. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know that must be desperate to do that. Um, but as soon as I went to stand, the pressure on my bladder became completely unbearable and I had to sit back down and quick. <gasps> I needed a new plan and I needed it fast. <laughs> What's she going to do? Wow. My son had just finished his tiny can of soda in the tiny plastic cup that you only ever seem to find on an aeroplane. No, Carol, don't do it. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Please, just don't go there. You can make it to the loo, Carol. You can. <laughs> She's desperate. She's desperate. Quick, I said to him, pass me that cup. Frantically, I started to unbutton my jeans as I turned to my husband and grabbed his brand new cashmere jumper to drape over my legs in order to hide what was going on from the other passengers. I'm actually open mouthed here. <laughs> Carol, you can't do it. She's desperate. She's absolutely desperate. You're not you're there yet, but you wait till you hit that perimenopause and that bladder weakness starts to kick in, Kate. There's, sometimes there's nothing you can do. And she's had two kids. <laughs> right. With my jeans halfway down my thighs. <laughs> <laughs> With my jeans halfway down my thighs and my son's mortified face watching on. <laughs> I attempted to launch myself out of the seat in order to get the cup into position. But I quickly realised that I would never be able to do this without giving the entire plane a bird's eye view of my backside. <laughs> Panic! <laughs> it was then that I spotted the beautiful, expensive cashmere jumper still draped over my thighs. Without a moment's hesitation, and with my husband looking on in horror, I quickly shoved it underneath me and released what felt like a bucket full of urine onto the soft, luxurious fabric. <laughs> I'm actually, this story is really, truly leaving me open mouthed. <laughs> oh, Carol. Can you imagine? That song, isn't there? Oh, Carol. Oh, Carol. <laughs> Oh, Carol. Oh. That's how desperate she was, though. That's how desperate she was. I am so sorry for you, Carol, that you were in that situation. How awful for you. You must have been so desperate. So desperate. Oh, imagine that. You know when you're absolutely desperate and you then just think, I've got to go. I've just got to go. And she would have just, just released that. On the plane. With her, with her son sitting next to her. Oh, my God. With everybody all around. Oh, what do you then do with your cashmere jumper? And she carries on. She says, later in the flight, I had to go to the toilet again, standing in a really long queue, exposing a big wet urine stain on the back of my jeans. Because <laughs> she obviously, she must have missed. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> it must have sunk through some out of the jeans that were only halfway down her thighs. <laughs> she says, talk about doing the walk of shame. <laughs> Oh, and then the last bit, she says, the final humiliation came whilst waiting for our bags. 
my family keeping their distance on the other side of the carousel and me with a smelly urine-soaked jumper festering in a little bag at my feet. <laughs> I was mortified. <laughs> oh, dear. Poor Carol! I'm glad oh. she had a little bag to put the jumper in, at yeah, least. Yeah. yeah, we have to be thankful for small mercies. Thankfully, thanks for the bag. What a story. What a story, Kate. I mean... I, I love it, don't you? It's an amazing it. story. Oh, did, she, did she say where she was going to? Was it? Oh, it's, she said, that, how long was she the say. flight? Did she she say? said it was a four-hour flight and she was two hours in. Oh. So she had to go. She had to go. And also, Kate, she must have been so desperate. I mean, you don't do that unless you have no choice, do you? You, you definitely have, don't. No, and obviously this turbulence was going on and on and on. So she had. she was thinking, I either get up. Well, she couldn't get up because the pressure was meaning she was going to just completely wet herself. So she had, that was her, own, I think she thought fast. I quite, I quite like her thinking. <laughs> I wonder what her husband thought <laughs> of the, the beautiful jumper that oh. she's weed on. And she had two hours after the, the situation to you know, sit in her in those jeans. Yeah, to sit on her wet, wet patch <laughs> with the festering jumper at, you know, in the bag at her feet. I just love the bravery of people who are sending us letters like this. Yeah, I know. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's brilliant. I also remember someone telling me a story, an awful story, actually, about a girl, not hormone related, but a girl who uh, must have had food poisoning, let's put it that way, and had an accident while sitting in her seat on an aeroplane. And obviously oh, no. the smell filled the plane. Oh. And she had, apparently she was wearing a little mini skirt and she had to then take herself off to the toilet whilst wrapping something very obvious around her waist. So not only had she done this and everyone could sort of very much smell what had happened, she then had to get up and like say, it was me guys. Oh. And she went off to the toilet. How awful. Aeroplanes are so unforgiving. They really are. Oh, I mean, I, the, the only thing that I can that I could talk about relating to that in any way is um, having my little daughter on a plane, and um, I thought that my husband was bringing the changing bag onto the plane, but he checked it in, and so we didn't have a changing bag with us. And oh, then, no. you know, it, it, yeah, there was a big leakage incident. Um, and how so did you get, of, how did you sort that out? Well, like, you know, I sort of can't. <laughs> What did you do? I ended up going into this 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 toilet, which you know, aeroplane toilets are so tiny. There's not really a place to put your baby, and she was such a wiggly, wiggly baby. And I kind of lay her down, and she was the the paper towels were above her head, and she was like pulling at the paper towel thing, and there were paper towels flying all through this little tiny oh no, so I couldn't kind of see what I was doing. There were just paper towels flying everywhere, and she was screaming while this was happening, and I was trying to remove this revolting nappy and trying to sort of clean her in some way because it had soaked through everything I mean, it was really everywhere oh my so, god and then I had no nappy to put her in um oh no because I had it was it was really horrific oh my god and then I feel also feel very sorry for the people that were waiting to go in that toilet once you finished <laughs> but Awful. Carol my story doesn't in any way compare with yours it's a brilliant story <laughs> You're a brave lady to share it. Thank you are you. a very brave lady and thank you very, very much. We are finding you. We are going to send you a badge. Thank you. Kate, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. you've got letter number two for us. I've got letter number two. Now, I don't know if you, well, I know that you remember Jenny. So way mm -hmm. back in episode two, we had a very funny letter from Eileen. Oh, Eileen's letter. Eileen's letter. Do you, well, you'd, of course you remember. 
and yeah. she wrote she writes so brilliantly doesn't she I think she she's there's definitely an author there in our Eileen um yeah. she's written this another letter I think it's quite different in tone from the first letter that we had from her um but it has a very exciting title it's called Sid Elvis and Postpartum Ooh. Mm, I wonder where we're going with that (laughs) it all started out so promising my water broke at 6am and by noon I was in active labour very straightforward the midwife said you'll be having toast and tea by one o'clock but then the baby already in the birth canal turned its head to the side and proceeded to get stuck unable to have an epidural and with minimal pain relief I was desperate to get the baby out, but hour after hour went by with little progress. At one point, I believe I urgently shouted, just cut me! Oh, gosh, that is desperation, isn't it? It really is, awful. And also, she's not even had an epidural no. when she's saying, just cut me. Oh my God, poor Eileen. Did you have an epidural, Denny, when you... I sure did. Yeah. yeah, that yeah. was right on my birth plan, Kate. Number one, point number one, <laughs> epidural. Point number two, as many painkillers as possible, please. <laughs> It wasn't on my birth plan, but I had an epidural for all three of them. Yeah, good for you. Well done. (laughs) All three. (laughs) That's Um, the right answer. (laughs) Finally, and after an episiotomy, the midwife declared in her thick Irish brogue, I can't do an Irish brogue, can I say? Sorry. (laughs) I can see baby's head coming round the archway roundabouts. (laughs) The humour and absurdity of the comment distracted me enough to give a final push. The next thing the midwife shouted was, Look at the size of him. This baby boy looks four months old. Oh, God. And she's just pushed that through with no epidural. Well done, Eileen. (laughs) (laughs) Utterly spent and overcome. All I felt was a squirming weight placed on my chest. It could have been a fish or a puppy for all I knew. My eyes closed. I felt as I was sinking into a warm bath and I let myself drift off. I really, I remember feeling like that too. I mean, when, when I'd I, finally I did. given birth, yeah. And yeah, then they, they laid yeah. my daughter on me and, oh, and she started, sorry, I'm going to give you all the details here. She started well, to feed and I just remember thinking she was just, the, the feeling of her feeding was, it was just horrible. <laughs> like, oh, I was, like, yeah, I was so pleased. Being gnawed I'm so pleased you said that. I just thought, oh, just take it off me. I just really, I just wanted to just, oh. I honestly thought you were about to describe the most wonderful moment. I thought, oh God, here she goes again with her perfectly charmed life. Because when they did that with me, with my son on me, I just, my first thought was, get him off me. I'm going to throw up. Because I honestly. Exactly how I felt. And then I did throw up. up. I actually did. I was like, get him him away, get him away. I'm going to have to be sick. Yeah, it was all. Oh, I'm glad you said that. giving birth I think I was just so overwhelmed by the magnitude of the whole thing I just I was the first of my group of friends to give birth and I just think nothing had prepared me I kind of I'd thought I mean I know you say that your birth plan you'd already planned for the epidural (laughs) I I think I thought that I was quite tough and I'd be fine and you know I'm quite so brave and I get on with things and it'll be fine and I just the, the the hugeness of the pain and of the the whole experience it was just such a massive yeah. overwhelming experience that was yeah too much for me <laughs> yeah it's awful <laughs> awful and then once that's you've done it like, it's like, not but yeah no yeah. It's, so poor well, Eileen it's still it's still awful isn't it when you've done it for quite a few weeks <laughs> <laughs> but it's worth it, it. So hard. it's worth it of course of course of course it's worth it it's worth but it anyway, I mean, I'm sorry that your baby was looked four months old because that oh must my have been god that really sounds 
terrifying. Goodness me. <laughs> Poor woman. So she's drifted away. I opened my eyes to the faces of three doctors standing over me. One pumping a blood pressure cuff and another trying to get an IV needle into my arm. Apparently I'd lost a lot of blood and I was close to going into shock. Oh my God. Where's the baby? I wondered. In my dazed confusion, I asked, who is that half naked man standing in the corner holding a blanket? What? There's <laughs> quite often sort of semi-naked oh, men in Eileen's stories. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah, there was a semi-naked man, wasn't there, last time? It's a recurrent theme. <laughs> why that's your husband and baby boy of course yeah. <laughs> why was why was her husband semi-naked oh, really oh come know. on carry on carry on maybe it was a skin i don't skin even thing. think it was a water bath. i'm not sure <laughs> why that's your husband and baby boy of course chirped bridie my indefatigable <laughs> midwife i watched as bridie swaddled the baby and placed him in the bassinet next to my bed trying to ignore the crimson pool on the floor and the doctors working below. I turned oh. my head to look at the baby for the first time. At that moment, the baby raised his head completely off the mat and turned to look at me. Well, he was four months old, so I suppose he should be able to do that, right? <laughs> <laughs> wow, so strong. Friday, who was nearby and saw, exclaimed, Christ on a bike, look at the neck muscles on that wee one. <laughs> Spat my drink out. <laughs> Super baby. <laughs> a rice on a bike. I love that phrase. <laughs> I think this might be. Wow, just born and it's lifted its head off and it's looking at Eileen. <laughs> She's given birth to an incredible. Yeah, <laughs> she has. Now that's what caused all the bother. It's then that I noticed my baby had masses of black hair sticking up in spikes from his head and was staring back at me with big blue eyes. I thought to myself, I've given birth to the love child of Elvis Presley and Sid Vicious. <laughs> oh, hence the Sid and Elvis reference at the beginning. <laughs> that is a that great line. Also, can I just say that that was also that, that might have been quite alarming. You know, you've just given birth, and then suddenly your baby is acting like a four-month-old, <laughs> lifting its head off, spinning round, and looking at you with all its black hair. That must have been quite a kind of full head know, of moment. Hair. Like, <gasps> Especially because she's had her, she had another child before this, didn't she? Because she yes. had with the, in the um, yeah, in the first letter, it's a little girl, isn't it? So it's obviously her second child. So <laughs> I'm sort of thinking that she must have thought, oh, I don't remember them doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so soon. And her husband's still wow. half naked. She's got the half naked. Yeah, why is the husband half naked? I hope she, she explains this. <laughs> I really hope so. Come on, Eileen, explain it. Oh, again, it all started so promising. This large, healthy, newborn boy slept well, fed well, and seemed to love resting in his vibrating chair, watching his three-year-old sister jump about. This is doable, I thought. I can manage this. But then the change occurred. As if the baby had been swapped in the night, a Jekyll and Hyde transformation. This lovely blue-eyed baby who cooed like Elvis and was so peaceful, turned into a spiky-haired Sid Vicious screaming and howling like a punk rocker every night for hours and hours oh no welcome to the world of newborns you see (laughs) this is what i was referring to oh she writes so well doesn't she 
there's I'm a baby he's, he's cooed like elvis he's been sort of you know singing, yeah, singing yeah, along. yeah well blue-eyed <laughs> and then he's turned into sid like clockwork the crying would start at 8 p.m and it lasted until at least midnight i was beside oh, myself no. with worry and anxiety why is this happening is he in pain what can i do nothing would appease him it was unrelenting and exhausting finally a visiting midwife diagnosed the baby with colic that dreaded affliction that no mother or baby wants to contend with. I was given a pamphlet and advice, but I had to endure the screaming and crying ritual every night. I felt myself getting more and more fatigued and fought. I was having difficulty sleeping and my appetite diminished. Oh, poor Eileen. My son also had colic, so I do sort of um, understand where she's coming from there. It was awful. Mm. <laughs> did you have it? My daughter did as well, but I think not as badly as this by the sounds of things. That she would wake yeah. so often through the night and I was completely oh. shattered and um, oh. did you have the same yes it was awful <laughs> would he cry for hours, cried, hours cried all the time whenever he fed he was in awful pain I guess yeah. from the wind and whatever so we used to give him that thing called Infocol yes we got that? through yes, so much Infocol putting that Infocol in I don't even know if it did any good but it made us feel like we were doing something didn't it that's exactly <laughs> the same yeah I, I'm not yeah. sure whether it had any effect whatsoever but yeah. no so much poor Eileen she's got her pregnancy hormones still whipping around her body hasn't she now she's got this kid that's got colic and oh my goodness poor woman around midnight the baby completely worn out from wailing would fall asleep in his Moses basket I would drop off next to him in the bed but I started to have disturbing dreams I would wake up drenched in sweat thinking that oh. I had left the baby in the garden in his pram often I would wake up after being asleep for only a short time and immediately worry that the baby was too quiet I would have to turn the light on and check him in his crib. The feeling of stress and anxiety was so persistent, I did a bit of research and thought I must be developing postpartum depression. And so oh, I booked no. an appointment with my GP. And she must know as well, because like you've said, and as she said, she already had a baby, didn't she? And so obviously this yeah. time the experience is, is different from felt different. what she had with her daughter, yeah. felt different. Oh no. I sat waiting in the surgery, enjoying some peace and quiet, when an elderly gentleman walked in. He had a long white beard and milky eyes, and he looked so much like a character from Harry Potter that I expected him to put on a wizard's hat. <laughs> Eileen meets these wonderful characters all I the know. time, doesn't she? I want, to, I want to follow Eileen around for a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder whether we're, we're meeting wonderful characters all the time, Jenny, and we just don't, we, we need to try and see them through Eileen's eyes. She's, she's well, right. just a natural yeah she's such a natural writer that she yeah she's <laughs> noticing the details and yes. we're missing them Kate oh he yeah. sat down he folded his hands and he said how can I help you I explained my difficulty sleeping loss of appetite extreme fatigue anxiety and constant worry about the baby I'm expecting him to bring out a wand now and yeah some miraculous yeah. cure yeah and a sorting hat mm. <laughs> oh a bit of the baby blues then he said the baby blues will pass. I stared at him and I thought, if you say baby blues again, someone's going to get a black eye. He must have read my mind because he looked startled. And then he said he would go and get his colleague who specialises in women's health. I recognised that he was well-intending, but I needed somebody who fully understood the implications of postpartum depression. Yeah. Which is right. Yeah. So, the yeah. baby blues. That's oh. such a put down, isn't it? That phrase. Oh, 
it really is such a put down yeah. and so I was hoping that he was from what she said I thought that he was going to be a sort of a wonderful character but actually I was thinking, he's not yeah, helped at all he's belittled I, her hasn't he exactly I was imagining Dumbledore and I was imagining some wise words were going to come out of his mouth but instead we got rather the opposite the opposite yeah sorry that I didn't that you had to go through that the next GP was a marvel thankfully full of useful information and reassurance she explained to me that the dramatic drop in hormones estrogen and progesterone as well as other hormones produced by the thyroid gland can contribute to postpartum depression the combination of fluctuating hormones and a traumatic birth sleep deprivation and stress all can manifest into an episode of depression sometimes developing weeks after the birth the gp and i agreed that even to call it baby blues is a bit condescending and inadequate for what is a very real clinical diagnosis yeah I went away feeling acknowledged, supported, and with a care plan. Late that afternoon, I had a home visit from a new midwife. She scooped up the baby, whose spiky hair had only gotten bigger, and jostled him back and forth on her hip as I told her about the past several weeks of ongoing colic, sleeplessness, and anxiety, and my diagnosis from the GP. The baby gurgled and giggled and waved his arms around as she weighed him, and I told her how helpless I felt against his bouts of colic how difficult it was to see him so distressed. Of course it is, she said. There is nothing you can do about it. It just takes time for the baby system to mature and the colic will resolve. She paused and she looked me straight in the eye. You're doing your best and there is nothing more you can do. That's enough to make you cry, isn't it? When you're feeling like that anyway. I felt a little so quicker in my voice actually, even just reading yeah. that. It was Aww. the nicest thing anyone has ever said to me. Yeah, when someone's really nice to you and you're feeling really low, it's all it takes, isn't it, for you to go? In fact, my mum used to always say that to me when I was younger. She used to say, you know, you can only do your best. Your best, mm. that's all you can do is do your best. And it's, it's sort of mm. always stayed with me and helped mm. me, I think, a lot. It's a nice, nice thought that you can sort of relax yeah. in the knowledge that you can do your best and there is no more you can do. Oh, Eileen, yeah. gosh, what a difficult oh. time you had with your love child of, of Sid Vicious and Elvis. <laughs> More Sid than Elvis for quite a while. She just really needed that then, didn't she? Yeah, it, you do. You need someone like that. Yeah. Chris and I always have this, um, that's my husband and I, we always have a um, sort of a fake uh, a doctor in mind whenever bit of a backstory here but Chris and I uh, we had to have IVF in order to have our son so when we had to go to all these appointments we um before we had our first appointment we kind of invented this character called Dr Robinson and it was yeah. the character it was this doctor this wonderful doctor he's an older guy he's got white hair he's a granddad uh, he's loving and caring and kind and he says those sort of things he says things like it's going to be just fine and we had these sort of these this imaginary doctor that we would be meeting um, when we went to these appointments and we never did meet Dr. Robinson. <laughs> we, mm. we had some terrible doctors. Uh, who, who, yeah, more like the first doctor that Eileen met, you know, who shouldn't really be doing. Yeah, because all you what you actually need is someone to really kind of like put that arm around you and just tell you, come on, we're going to do this together. You're going to be all right. You can only do your best. That's what you need to hear. All you can ever do is your best. You can't you can't do any more than that. And do you say that to your children now? As well, I do. Kids? I do indeed. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, though. That is all they can do, isn't it? That's all any any of us can do. Thank you, Eileen, for sharing that letter. Um, yes, thank you so much, Eileen. That was very brave of you. Really appreciate it. Write into the show with your hormonal anecdotes, and if we read your letter, we'll send you an exclusive Dear Hormones badge. That's right, bribery. 
email us at dearhormones at yahoo.com or we're at dearhormones on Instagram. Okay, so letter number three is called Gym Wars. And this is from, do you remember a few episodes ago, we had a story from a lady who had lost the plot when she was trying to return an item to a shop and the shutters were broken and they were only raised about three feet off the ground. And she had to argue with the shopkeeper with her bum in the air and her head underneath the shutters. I remember it very well. And she said to us in that letter, didn't she? She said this was one of several things that had happened that week, which had taken her off to the doctors to get the HRT. And, and we said, said we wanted to know what the other ones were. Has she got back yes, in touch? She has. So this is one of the other things that had happened to her that week. Um, so, yeah, so bear that in mind. This is the same lady who couldn't bear the um, someone being kind to her. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, she was trying to get the rage off her chest and this man was being really reasonable to remember saying, oh, you can always take that item back to another shop, madam. And she was like, oh, I'm fuming. Car battery, um, wasn't it a car battery? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So she's got back in touch with us. Dear Jenny and Kate, I don't particularly enjoy the gym, but I know now I'm in my 50s that exercise is more important than ever. The best part of going for me, though, is the treat of sitting in the jacuzzi at the end something I look forward to immensely as I sweat away on the cross trainer. I absolutely agree. The jacuzzi, and in fact, when I've been to the gym, I've quite often just skipped the cross trainer altogether and gone straight to the jacuzzi. <laughs> yeah, I've done that. <laughs> I know. I'm so with her, aren't you? I'm so with her. Um, she says, for the first time in 50 years, I'd started regularly exercising and within a few short weeks, I could already feel it making a difference. But then the pandemic struck and the gym was forced to close for weeks on end. Gutted. I was counting down the days to it reopening and I'd even invested in a new swimming costume ready for a nice long soak in the hot tub after my first day back. I was going to say the gutted bit. I'd be like, yeah, gutted. No more jacuzzi yeah. for a while. Like, yeah. Oh, counting down the yeah. days to the jacuzzi. To the jacuzzi, jacuzzi time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So imagine my disappointment when they finally did open their doors and I turned up to find that the jacuzzi was out of order. <gasps> nine weeks. They'd had nine weeks to make sure that everything was up and running for when the restrictions were lifted absolutely incensed i marched up to the reception desk where a polite young man was working this is all the same week that the car battery yeah. incident happened yeah i've developed this kind of patronizing passive aggressive voice since hitting the perimenopause and it goes something like this hello it says that the jacuzzi isn't working, but I'm guessing that must be a mistake, right? Because you, you've had nine weeks to make sure everything is in good working order. So is it okay if I go and use it? I, I mean, I see you've taken the money out of my account as soon as you were able to. So surely everything is in good working order, right? <laughs> the, lad, the lad simply apologized and said that they were working hard to fix the problem. He's doing I, everything he should, isn't he? The same as the, same as yeah, the lad back yeah, being, behind the shutter. Kind. I stormed out feeling like someone had just robbed me blind. <laughs> A week or so later, and the jacuzzi was out of order again. Oh, I'm thinking refund is in order. This time, I marched up to the same lad and tried this line instead. Hi, 
uh, the jacuzzi wasn't working the other day and you said you'd fix it, but the sign's still there saying it's broken. I assume it's working now, though, because, well, you know, you've had weeks and weeks to get things working, haven't you? Um, I see you've taken the money again this month. So can I go and use it? <laughs> I love that she's just like she knows it's broken. <laughs> she knows well, well it's broken and she's not going to be able to go and use it. But she's just like, oh, yeah, guys. Yeah, you must have left the sign up by accident. <laughs> Brilliant. Sorry, madam, said the lad. It's still broken, but we're trying hard to fix it. And then a few days later, it happened again. <laughs> so the is same... she in between times? Is she going back and then it, is it mended for a few days each time or has, the, has it been out of action this whole time? I don't know. I'm guessing it's probably been mended and then broken again because she's oh. sort of saying a week or so later and then she's yeah. saying a few days later. So maybe yeah. it's sort of been off and on, off and on, which is obviously really starting to wind her up. Yeah. Um, and then a few days later, it happened again. The same boy was on reception. And before I even got to the counter, I was addressing him in a really loud voice. You have the cones out around the spa again today. I presume. <laughs> <laughs> he must see her coming. <laughs> oh no. Like, I can see him ducking down behind the counter trying to hide. Like, no, I'm not here. <laughs> so wait, she's just like, I presume that's a mistake, right? <laughs> again I mean you've taken my money (laughs) it's the money she mentions the money every time (laughs) I I mean you've taken my money as soon as humanly possible (laughs) so surely the spa is up and running now (laughs) (laughs) it was then that one of his co-workers pulled me to one side and politely pointed out that the poor guy in reception is on a zero hours contract hardly speaks any English and could I please possibly give him a break? Oh, <laughs> oh kid. Oh. <laughs> I love it's taken somebody else to actually go. Here she comes. Here she comes. She's probably been talking about him. She, she, he'd probably been, talking, been talking about, about her. her. Yeah, go, oh, God, there's this woman. She keeps coming up about the spa, about the jacuzzi. <laughs> Terrified. Yeah. Uh, she says, I realise this situation would annoy a lot of people with a gym membership, but the level of rage and annoyance I felt was off the scale, scarily so. I was a tightly wound coil. It felt like everything and everyone was against me, and my reactions to these little things were getting more and more out of control. The good news is that I'm now on HRT, and even better than that, the jacuzzi is back in business. <laughs> I am so glad to hear it. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that second story with us. That's absolutely brilliant. And I think you said there were a few things that had happened that week. So I'm hoping that you've got another one up your sleeve. Yeah. What a week. What a week. Oh, my goodness. It's that perimenopausal that annoyance, you know, the, it's these little things. I think we've said it like time and time again on this podcast. It's the little things that ordinarily would annoy you, but you'd let them go. But when you, when your kind of hormones are going crazy, you can't let it go. It's just not yeah. possible to let it go. And that's what's that she went back again and again and kept on talking about the money as yeah. well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, couldn't let it go. But it's the way she approached the desk with the, Oh, um, uh, the cones are around the spa again. This must be a mistake, right? It's the fact that she knows it's not. <laughs> She's just using that. Oh, I love it. That's absolutely brilliant. 
Um, Kate, how are you? Because you know we are on Kate's menopause watch, and last week we did have a very <laughs> emotional moment, didn't we? Uh, where one of the letters uh, made us both cry. But as you know, I'm already um, uh, openly hormonal menopausal, so that I, I'm off the hook. Have you had any other incidents since we recorded last week that you can think of that, that might have that we can notch up onto the Kate's menopause watch list? Well, um, oh, Jenny, I don't know whether this, yes, it probably actually does um, constitute oh, a possible on. sign of being, oh, I um, wasn't expecting you to say yes. Okay, what, what have we got? Well, this, I mean, you tell me what you think, um, but. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when you say that, tell me what you think. <laughs> As you know, I have a four-year-old and mm. she, um, for her birthday, was given um, some very tiny little high chairs and little plates and spoons and um, very tiny little things. If, if you probably know Sylvanian families. This is the baby set of Sylvanian families. So three little triplet babies with their high chairs. Now, um, this was a present from my brother um, for my little girl. And, you know, it was quite expensive. I know it was, it was fairly expensive. For they are was. expensive. They're complete rip off those things, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but a lovely little set, really <laughs> yeah. lovely little set. Now in my daughter's room, she has floorboards and they're not filled. So there are gaps between the floorboards. Yeah. Um, and I kept saying to her, you need to be really, really careful. This is a very special set. Um, and I even said, would it be better if I put, if I put the very tiny little things away, maybe I think they might be a little bit too small for you. No, mummy, no, mummy. She wanted to, to keep them all. Um, and then <laughs> oh. mm. yesterday, um, I couldn't find one of the little spoons in the set. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> just one little spoon. Yeah. yeah. And I slightly lost it, Jenny. I was just like, you know, where where is the little pink spoon? Where's the pink one? I can see the yellow one. I can see the blue one. Where's the little pink spoon? Um, and she said, I'm not sure, mummy. I'm not sure. And I went a bit crazy about it. It was Did really you? grilling her about this little tiny pink spoon, which obviously is, you know, it's utterly insignificant and unimportant and doesn't matter at all. But to me, it was like a missing part of the set. And I just went yeah. a bit crazy. So, and I knew, I just knew that it had fallen down one of the floorboards. So I started oh, searching and I had my my mobile phone with the, the torch on. I had the torch turned on and I was like lying on the floor, looking down every single floorboard. Oh, Kate, <laughs> this sounds like a letter. This sounds like one of our letters. Oh, to try and find the spoon. And Jenny, I found yeah. it. Oh, you legend. Well done. But it was quite far down. It was quite deep down. I mean, the holes go far down. So it was deep down and it had kind of like landed fortuitously it landed on this sort of bit of fluff this sort of, this sort of mm. cobweb like down beneath yeah nice <laughs> so it was like it was wedged on a little kind of bit of dust like deep deep down and you know any like, any sort of sudden movement would make it fall off the cobweb and yeah, deeper yeah. down to a point of no recovery so I thought how am I going to get this out and I this is a really long <laughs> not an exciting story I'm sorry I just sort of lost it and fixated on this spoon it was everything will be fine if I can just get the spoon out so I <laughs> invented this kind of contraption where I got a long skewer from the kitchen and put a bit of blue tack on the end <laughs> I was like just fishing for this pink spoon <laughs> all the while just going crazy with my poor daughter saying <laughs> Oh, little thing. Special <laughs> thing. It's really special. <laughs> oh, Kate. I, I did get it out. It had a happy ending. 
but it didn't yeah. need to be it really just didn't need to be such a drama and I put my four-year-old through that you all talk about yeah she she's not going through a crazy hormonal time but the fact that she's younger makes it worse you know yeah because you can't explain four. to that age group the same way as you could explain to a teenager I guess yeah she's what, four yeah. and I'm going crazy so Jenny does this mean am I officially am I officially entering the perimenopause well, I, I, I've, I've got a few things on the list now Kate I've got to say so we've got the keys that you put in the recycling bin yes we've got the, you forgot to the word skewer if you remember that I did yeah I did you you burst into tears um at the letter last week and now the obsessing about skewer again the, lots of skewers in my life the obsessing over a tiny weenie spoon that your daughter wasn't even bothered about it was all you and how long did the um search Can I just say I remembered for? the word skewer there though Jenny you did you, you clocked that yeah um, did you how long did it go on for can you tell me how long was that whole process about 20 minutes oh it's quite some time isn't it of searching <laughs> it might have been longer I think it was 20 minutes of fishing around with the skewer Oh, do I have to add on the amount of time that I was with my Can you please? How long? How long was the whole sorry episode involving the spoon? Maybe forty-five minutes. Forty-five, 45 minutes. Yeah. yeah. What I'm going to say, Kate, is just take things easy. <laughs> Listen to the podcast more. Maybe take some notes. <laughs> make some notes, and uh, just you know, watch out. Watch out for a few extra things that might be coming your way. Be prepared. <laughs> All right. It feels like it's close. Anyway, maybe on that note, we should uh, just say thank you to everybody for writing in. Um, it's now quite late, guys. We've been, we've been recording is. this quite late. Normally, I'm tucked up in bed by now, but oh. here we are still chatting. Um, uh, we should also say about how people should get in touch. So please, if you've got some letters, you can write to us at uh, dearhormones at yahoo.com. And you can find us on Instagram. We are at dearhormones. So please do that. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please, could you review us on Apple podcasts? Can you rate? Uh, can you share? Could you maybe tell one friend? I think we say this every week, but it all really helps to get the message out there and get people listening. We're getting lovely feedback and we just kind of want it to continue. So big thanks for that. And um we will see you next time. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you. That was Dear Hormones with Jenny Smith and Kate Baus. If you've got a story to share, email the girls at dearhormones at yahoo.com or they're at dearhormones on Instagram. Until next time. <laughs>